continue today in uh, our book of Revelation study and invite you to turn to chapter 20. We'll be in verses 11 through 15 today. And in today's passage, we see Jesus occupying his judicial throne. In this passage, he's not the rider on the horse, the conquering king. He is not the lamb slain. He, in this moment, is, is judge and jury. And he sets out to judge humankind according to the works in correlation to some books that are mentioned in this passage. And what I want to do today as we begin is begin looking at several things or keeping several things in mind as we look at this passage, as we understand what's taking place in, in this chapter and these verses. And I, I want to just draw your attention to three things I think are very important as, as we begin. These aren't the points in your bulletin. These are just introductory points, okay? And, and we'll work through those quickly. But I want you to see a couple of things and keep those in mind. Number one, our society, and I would say even modern American Christianity lacks an understanding of who God is and we lack an understanding of what it means for God to be holy and thus rightfully enacting judgment. You see, our society, number one, most of our society would care not to believe in a God at all or a God of their own making. A God that only gives grace and kindness and, and really this fluffy love that's really not love at all. Our society, and I would say really even American Christianity, has made for itself a God, a little G God that has no power a God that does not represent the God of the Bible. Now listen, listen. For John himself wrote in 1 John, God is love. And I'm not saying that God is some uh, dictator on some throne and, uh, and that he has no mind for and no compassion for the humans that occupy this world. That's not what I'm saying, but... But we, we only think in, in, in pendulum swings, right? We, we think that only God can be only one thing or the other, only love and no judgment, or only judgment and no love. But what really is true of God and what we see in the, the canon of Scripture is that God is multifaceted, far more than you or I are multifaceted. God is multifaceted. And at the very same time, God is able to be a righteous judge and a loving Lord. He is at the very same time the blood-stained, slain Lamb of God while He is also the King and the rider on the white horse and He is also the one occupying this great white throne we see in this passage. But what we've done 
is we've often relegated God to this box of our own making. And we say, well, God can't be judging because he is loving. Or God can't, how could a loving God allow all these things to happen? But what we see in this passage is that the inevitability of the unrighteousness of mankind, of humankind, must be dealt with, must be judged. And God is the only one with the credentials to do that. He's the only one who's holy, perfect, righteous. And so he rightfully occupies this judicial throne. So we need to do better, and what I mean by we, I'm, I need to do better, church leaders need to do better at helping people to see our multifaceted God. And it doesn't mean that um, he, he, he's, not one or, he's not one or the other. It means that he is all of those things far greater than what we could understand or fathom. The second thing I think we need to keep in mind as we are thinking about this passage is that Jesus' judgment that he enacts on this great white throne, yeah, it punishes the wicked, but it also vindicates the righteous. It also vindicates the righteous. Yes, there is punishment for those who are unrighteous and those who have lived with their own works as their only chance which will come up short and punishment does await people like that but he also vindicates those who have lived their life covered by the lamb's blood and have shed their own blood as well this passage shows that when scripture tells us that God is the one who brings vindication and that God is the one who brings um, judgment on our behalf this is where he does it the third thing I think we need to keep in mind is that God has a standard God has a standard this is hard for us we live in a society that has no standard and that bothers us we we know that it should be differently but but it's not but God has a standard to which he will execute judgment and this is found in what this passage calls books so today we're going to look at God opening the books and that's the title of the message opening the books and so let's look at the scripture and keeping these things in mind let us find the standard by which we are judged would you if you're able stand to honor the reading of God's word we're reading in Revelation chapter 20 beginning in verse 11 it's on the screen but you can follow along in your Bible as well and this is what it says then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them 
I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let's dig in here and consider four things very quickly that are in this passage that I think will help us to understand Jesus' standard. Number one, we've already talked about this a little bit, but Jesus sits rightfully judging the works of mankind. Jesus has earned this place of righteous judge. We talked about this a little bit in the previous weeks. We talked about Jesus comes in and he's on this white horse and he is wearing a robe and it is stained with blood and it's his own blood symbolically but also literally earning him the spot to be in this place of king of kings and lord of lords and jesus sits upon the throne because of his acts because of what he has done he sits there rightfully ready to judge mankind philippians 2 tell us this philippians 2 5 tells us that he didn't think equality with God was a thing to be grasped, so he emptied himself and became like you and I, became a servant, and he came and he died, even the death on the cross, so that God would raise him up, that at his name every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord. And so because of his redemptive act, because of his bloodshed, because of his willingness to go to the greatest length to show you love and compassion and kindness, Jesus rightfully sits on the throne. Now listen, today in our world, a convicted felon will stand before a human judge and will rightfully receive his punishment. 10 years, 20 years, life sentence, death penalty, and we understand that when the evidence is stacked up against them, we don't bat an eye when that happens. But oftentimes we misinterpret God, expecting Him only to be tepid toward us, warm and friendly, overlooking our wrongdoings. But Jesus is holy, set apart in every man, woman, and child. And the passage says, great and small are held accountable to him. See, in this passage, we see that God rightfully sits on the throne. He's always sat on. Jesus is on the throne that he rightfully is on. And he because he holds all the cards, because he's creator God, because he is almighty and omniscient and, and fully powerful, we are all answerable to him. The passage says great and small, and I find that very interesting because it's just saying no matter who you are, no matter who you think you are, 
you must answer to him. Kings and queens and celebrities and paupers and, uh, and, and, and folks who are without home or without, without uh, a place to lay their head. All peoples, all kinds of peoples are answerable to God Almighty. And they're held accountable to him. In his final moment, this white, which represents supreme righteousness, this white throne, everyone is held accountable for their life. It's tough, isn't it? Now, some will be judged differently. And we'll get to that in a moment. But nonetheless, every person is answerable to this righteous God, this supremely righteous God. All are answerable to him. And one day, you will go before him. And in this heavenly courtroom, sitting at the judge's bench, how will you represent yourself? What will you say? To what will you point to from your life that says, I deserve, a, I deserve grace and I deserve mercy and I deserve heaven and I deserve eternal life? On what merits will you bring your case before this God Almighty? When you think about it that way, it seems very daunting, doesn't it? It seems very heavy. It seems so weighty, almost crushingly heavy. I have no chance before this God on my merit, on what Derek Fielder has done with his life up until this point. I have no chance before this God. And neither do you. Because my righteousness is filthy rags. It's worth nothing compared to this righteous, holy God on the throne. By what merit will you come before the Lord and say, here's what I stand on. By what measurement will you use to stand before this cosmic judge? There is an answer, and I want to get there, but I want to be tense for just a moment because I want you to feel how amazing the gospel truth is in just a moment, but just to sit in that heaviness for a moment. The second point will help us to do that. The second point is the books will be thrown at a lot of people. It says in this passage, the books will be opened. What books? Well, Books, the passage says, books by which their actions can be measured. These books are first mentioned in Daniel chapter 7. John's vision found in the Revelation, it, it, it mirrors a lot of things that have happened in Daniel's book. And these books are in Daniel's writings. They're held in contrast just as they are here, that these books are the ones by which the unrighteous are measured by which the unrighteous are judged. These books here represent God's perfect mind. 
to judge the unrighteousness in the world. See, those judged by these books are held accountable to how they lived their lives on earth. Perhaps it's the Old Testament law, God's moral law, maybe the Ten Commandments. It really doesn't say, it just calls it books. But what we see and understand is that the unrighteous don't have a high priest or they don't have legal representation to stand in their defense before God and all they have is their works and their works as Paul describes are filthy rags only useful to be thrown out and trampled upon and so as a result if anyone is found in this moment with no other thing but their lives to hold up against these books then God will figuratively throw the books at them, so to speak. At anyone in this moment who comes in their own unacceptable righteousness before the God, hoping for mercy, but at this moment cannot find it. And that's hard. It seems harsh if you only read this passage, if you don't read any of the rest of the book of Revelation, if you don't read any of the rest of Scripture, this sounds real harsh. But in this moment, it's deserved. It's deserved because there's another book. There's another book. Praise God. There's another book. The books don't have to be thrown at you. If your name is in the other book, the passage tells us there's a book by which the, the, the whole world will be measured, but it says, but there's another book, the book of life. And that book, praise God, bless God, is a totally different thing. And you and I, you and I can be listed in this book. Let me tell you about this book. This book's origin is also found in Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. And in Daniel chapter 12, it's told to mention the righteous whose works are forgiven and overlooked. It's the book written in Jesus' blood. It's the book that has the names of the redeemed in it. Listen, you don't have to stand before God at the white throne on your own merit. You don't have to stand before God in his righteous power. You don't have to stand before Jesus at this throne in all of his righteousness on your merit. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you stand on someone else's merit. You stand there not on your own, not on your own works, not on your own deeds. You stand there, but by the grace of God, and say, I don't have a chance, but Jesus died and I received his grace, and I stand here by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood cleansed me. That blood washed me white. Friends, there is another book. Praise God. There is another book that, that gives us a chance. There's another book that allows us 
to come before the Lord in what the Bible tells us with boldness to approach this throne, not with trembling, to approach the throne of God, this great white throne by which he judges all mankind's deeds, and we can approach it right now, today, with boldness, not because of your works, not because of your deeds, not because of anything that you have done or not done, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and but by the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. You don't have to stand before God on his final judgment day waiting for your rightful condemnation because it, the Bible tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus will look at you if you know Christ as your Savior. And he will say, he is mine. She is mine. My blood covers him. My blood covers her. Thank God there is another book. And friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know that saving faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have that confidence. You don't have that boldness because you don't yet know Christ as your Savior, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wonder. Today you can know. You can know today that your blood, that the blood of Christ covers your sin and forgives you and that His righteous deeds will stand before, stand for you and you stand before God Almighty, that He will look at you and say, He is mine, she is mine, my blood covers them. You can know today and what it looks like is for you to just simply say, Lord, I don't have a chance on my own merit. I'm a sinner. But I know that you died to forgive me of my sin. And so, God, would you do that? Would you forgive me? And the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you believe in your heart that God that Jesus died and if you believe that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and Romans 10 13 says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and today you can trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to cover you to forgive you and for your name to be in this book the book of the redeemed I pray you'll trust Jesus today. The final thing that we see is that the lake of fire awaits those that are in these other books. The ones who are not in the book of life, the lake of fire awaits them. The passage tells us that the lake of fire, the second death, final death awaits those whose names are not found there but it doesn't have to be that way you can respond to Jesus today and I pray that you will we're going to pray and if God is moving your heart you come
And I'd love to share with you how you can trust Christ. You can visit one of our next steps tables as well if you'd rather do that. Let's pray. God, we love you. We praise you. Help us to respond to you today. Lord, I pray if anyone is here that doesn't know the hope that they can know of knowing Christ, for the eternity, for their eternity to be secured, and for their sins to be covered, and for you to represent them as legal counsel before the throne of God. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them, God. Would you save someone from eternal punishment today? Thank you, Lord. Because Jesus, you died on the cross to accomplish these things so that we wouldn't have to stand on our own merit. And so, God, I pray today you'd help us to live in that truth and that we would worship you, Lord. That we'd be able to sing these words of how we're forgiven because you were forgotten and forsaken. We're redeemed because you bought us by your blood. We're alive and well. Your spirit is within us because you died and rose again, Lord. As we sing these words of your amazing love, Lord, may that be where our minds are focused. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? And as we stand, we're going to sing those words. I'm forgiven because you are forsaken. Amazing love, how can it be? And as you sing that, I pray you'll respond today, whether you need to trust Christ as Savior or whether you just need to remember what he's done for you and praise him for that. However God is moving in your heart and life, you can do that right now. You can come uh, speak with me. I'd love to pray with you. But we also have folks standing at the end uh, at our next step tables that can help you there as well. So you respond to the Lord however he's leading you to do that in these next few moments as we sing.